This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 457, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Everybody, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 457. My name is Paul Montgomery. Joining me, Mr. Connor Kilpatrick. There was an odd pause there, and I thought maybe you were waiting for me to tell you. Well, was I was waiting second, for you to, to come in and say panel's own. <laughs> oh, right. Montgomery. Panel.net's own Paul Montgomery. And that's Connor Kilpatrick of Hello. iFanboy. Um, I- iFanboy's own. Yeah. Josh Flanagan is gone. She's just gone. She's not here. We don't know where Hopefully he is. Hopefully he's happy wherever he is. I think he's on a multi-state bank robbing spree personally just from the state of, of what he said to buy and tires and crap like that. I think we were supposed to keep that to ourselves. I'm not going to prison for him. We've had this discussion, he and I, long ago. I will turn on him in a second. We are a fanboy and we like comics. And every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best book that they read. Call that the pick of the week. Talk about it on this year's podcast. Uh, that's what this podcast is for, along with various other books of the week, various other topics of interest. Um, before we get to the show, quick reminder slash warning, this is a review show. We'll be talking about the things that happen in this week's books, people who get trapped in trees. Uh, there's multiple mecha this week, so I am happy. So if you are All worried right. about spoilers, pause the show, come back when the coast is clear. This week, Mr. Kilpatrick had the pick. What did you pick, sir? This was a really interesting week. It mm-hmm. was a fun week. There was lots of books to be excited for, lots of um, new releases. And it was a week where I, when I went to read my comics, I looked at my pull list and I, I thought, whoa, this is uh, going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. But uh, it turned out not to be so tough. The pick was Batman 35 from Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Danny Mickey, FCO Placencia. And uh, it is the first chapter of Endgame. And I don't know how long Endgame's going to go, but it's uh, it's going to be, I think, another another in-depth uh, storyline from, from Snyder Capullo. And I uh, didn't know anything about this story. This is the first arc after Zero, zero Year. We had the, the one issue, um, Greg, Jerry Duggan, Mateo Scalero issue that was also the pick of the week last month. Mm-hmm. So this is the first new arc. And all I knew about it was the cover, which featured Batman... Uh, fighting the Justice League and just totally reinforces how they took the Flash's awesomely simple costume and gave it all kinds of unnecessary lines. <laughs> I mean, Speed Greg, lines. Greg Capullo is a really great artist and he makes he makes Superman look good on this cover, but look at that Flash costume. Why does he have all those lines? Just why? I mean, pretty much people just see a red blur. <sighs> Jeez. So anyway. You don't really need all those, yeah. Anyway, so this, I, again, no, no, knowing nothing about this other than the cover, I was excited to know what it meant. And this issue opens with uh, uh, Bruce getting attacked, wearing, well, let's talk about the mecha. I'm sure, Paul, you want to talk about the that mecha. That is nice. Uh, we get a little uh, cold open scene in which uh, someone has released a harmless gas in the middle of Gotham and everyone's fleeing this gas arena, what they're mm. calling it, because it's a perfect circle. And uh, in the middle of it is Batman in a giant mecha suit. Which was kind of awesome. Pretty awesome whenever you see Batman in a mech suit. You see anybody it, in a mech suit. Emily Blunt in a mech suit. 
It's true. Mech suits are awesome. And so then it turns out we, we flash back a little bit to find that Bruce, uh, Alfred has regained his senses since being attacked in Batman Eternal, the book I don't know why, continues to read. And uh, he's, but his daughter is sticking around. So he's got Alfred, Bruce has Alfred and his daughter as Penny One and Penny Two helping him out in his new headquarters in the heart of Gotham City, which he constantly returns to in his books. And uh, suddenly he's attacked by Wonder Woman quite viciously. And we go from there, and we, he then he gets attacked by the Flash, and he gets attacked by Superman. I'm sorry, Aquaman. That was so quick, I almost forgot about it. And then mm. uh, Superman, in which we find that and the, the big reveal. I don't, I don't want to get to it just yet. We did give the spoiler warning, but this this is where not knowing anything really helped because yeah. when the big reveal happened, I, I gasped. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the, the page before the reveal, you, you kind of see what's coming, but when it is revealed, uh, I didn't expect that, and immediately. In conjunction with Greg Capullo and Danny Mickey's amazing art featuring all of the Justice League members, which is always great to see someone like Capullo getting to draw all these different great DC characters, uh, made this the easy pick of the week. This was really fun. This is, thinking about it, I've really enjoyed, I mean, a ton, like countless Scott Snyder scripts and Greg Capullo comics over the years. But this is the most fun issue that I think they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so big and crazy and you've got the Justice League involved and they haven't really played too much with that stuff. Um, it's smack dab in the middle of DCU, whereas before you could kind of say that, that this book has existed in its own little bubble. Right. And hasn't been really dealt with. Its own little gaseous arena. Yeah, its own little uh, smoke, a harmless smoke bubble. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't really been affected by the other things going on all that much. You can read this. You could have read Batman all, all, all just fine without uh, the other DC stuff. So this is it's always nice. I always liked it as a kid whenever the Justice League which, or other people would show up in Batman books. And it's also very dissimilar to Zero Year, which I also really enjoyed. But that was very early in his career, building up the character. But this is like smack dab in the middle. You know, you can't get more DCU than Justice. The yeah, Justice but League. I mean, my my takeaway from this was that. It's, you know, it's bringing in Wonder Woman and Superman and Flash and Aquaman to fight Batman. Usually that's like a big, dumb fight issue. Mm-hmm. And there's some weird contrivance. But this was a really smartly written issue. Um, I really liked the bookends with uh, the theater being built. Yeah. Um, Snyder's been writing some great prose of late into his comics. So we talked about um, American Vampire last week. Yeah, that was really good. It was last really week, yeah. strong. And then and then this week there's a great sort of narration from Bruce talking about being there when that theater was, you know, being built. And then this deus ex machina of, uh, you know, a show and a, and a god coming in, um, you know, on a, on a rope. And, you know, we'll like, so I'm so used to at this point, you know, Snyder yeah. adding in all this like background detail, but then it comes back in when Superman attacks Batman and like right through the wall and well, there goes your mech suit. Too Damn bad. It. Too bad. Um, <laughs> I also loved how how quickly he dispatches the Flash. And it's not because the Flash isn't powerful. It's because if you're going to fight the Flash and defeat him, you've got to be fast too. So he comes right. up with this super fast um, – you know, mainframe within the robot um, that can track what the Flash is doing. And then he puts like no friction. He basically makes him slippery. So like the whole world turns into a slip and slide and he can't stop. So he just, you know, 
ends up somewhere across, you know, across the the planet. Um, So I liked how quickly that was taken care of because that's how you have to stop the Flash. Well, let's talk a bit about, before we get to the big reveal, let's talk a bit about uh, the art, which I'm just flipping through these pages and finding one panel after another to love. I'm looking right now at the shot, the first shot of Superman from below as he's coming through the roof of the, or the wall of the uh, theater. Mm -hmm. It's just a a fantastic shot of him there. There's a great shot of Flash running. I really love the, um, just a little panel of Bruce in the reflection of Diana's sword. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just really wonderful stuff. Capullo doesn't get enough credit. We talk about him a lot, and everyone, of course, talks about him because this is the number one book out there. But, you know, he is doing just career work in this series. Mm-hmm. It's just really kinetic and fun. You know, there's a lot of people crashing through walls and windows and foliage and doors and wall and ceilings in this issue, but you really do feel all that stuff. when you, And it's just full of detail. I mean, look at that scene where Bat Batmac punches Wonder Woman through the wall, and she's she's in the, all the rubble. I mean, there's just you know there's really disturbing rebar. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there. Um, I was I I love the reveal of Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, it's like I kind of wish that I hadn't seen the cover first, mm-hmm. and then just go in. So it was good that I didn't really I, I hadn't read up on what this Endgame story was going to be about, like you. Right. Um, but the cover, you know, like it, it would have been a great surprise. Whoa, Wonder Woman showed up in, in the Batman. Right. Movie. Totally. And that wouldn't be such a huge surprise in, like, in a Superman book, of course, because they're dating. But, like, um, as you said, you know, Batman doesn't have a whole lot of dealings with these characters unless it's in a Justice League book. Or he's right. popping up in someone else's book. It's it's sort of the semi-permeable membrane. Like, you know, he can go anywhere he wants, but it's it's very rare these days for other characters to, you know, to show up in, in his. And so it was it was really exciting. And then that, that great moment where... Julia, uh, Alfred's daughter, is is saying, what's that? <laughs> and, you know, it must have been a speck when she's seeing it. But then Wonder Woman finally pops through the window. And um, it's it's so it's I like this this new headquarters, mm-hmm. which hopefully isn't totally destroyed by the end. We'll get to see more of it. Well, let's talk quickly about the big reveal. In this yeah. issue. That's really what put it over the top. I think it's I think this issue still would have been the pick even without the reveal. But the reveal sort of n- nailed it for the nailed it home was is that. Uh, we find that the Justice League has been af- infected with the Joker serum. And so after you know all the hell the Joker put Batman through in uh, Death of the Family, however many years ago that was, two years, mm-hmm. uh, now he's back. We haven't, really, we haven't seen him since then. So I always love those, st- you know, I always love the Joker to be used sparingly and, I, sparingly, and I always love when he shows up after that long absence and... Uh, Clearly, having taken over the Justice League is a big deal. So, you know, I think it, when he, I think when he disappeared, and it was sort of like that Reichenbach Falls thing from Sherlock Holmes, where he, right. they're you know in the sewer systems, uh, coming out of the Batcave, and he goes down those falls, and you know the face is there, and you know, well, what happened to him? And I always like that mystery, and uh, Snyder really understands to keep that mystery alive, mm-hmm. even though he does a lot of, um, he does a lot of revision and retconning, and a lot of you know explaining things. He's still. You know, it's like every every door he closes with a retcon, another window opens um, right. where there's new possibilities of what could be going on. Um, so anyways, I think that 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 issue, that was one of my first uh, picks that I chose mm, uh, right. going in doing picks of the week. Yes. And so so, the, so it's it's sort of coming full circle. And I, I like this idea that you don't see the Joker come back first. You see 
you know, the the fallout of the Joker coming back or his lingering legacy that there's mm-hmm. Joker toxin out there. Right. So what does that mean? So I love that that question mark. Uh, th- I feel like this is just going to be a really fun story. I, and again, I don't know how long it's going to be, and I sort of don't want to know. I just want to Yeah, I don't really, I'm just going to read it as it comes yeah. and not really worry about it. Well, let's leave Gotham very briefly. We're going to come back in a second and talk mm. about which which is number one. The other book from Scott Snyder, which would have been the, the pick had not Batman come out this week. Uh, this is Scott Snyder and Jock moving over to Image yep. to do a horror book. And starting with the really striking cover with that blood red seeping out of the uh, tree in the forest. This was really fucking creepy and disturbing. It's like, it's like There's not, something wrong with Scott Snyder. Not that, the, not that there weren't, you know, twisted images of Superman affected by the Joker toxin in the Batman issue. But the, like we said, that's it was like a big, fun, bombastic issue. Yeah. So he had to get his creepy out there somewhere this week. And it was in Witches. Um, I never the, want to take a walk in the woods with Scott Snyder. This opening sequence was so disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a tree in the woods. There's a mouth... You see the knot in the tree. The mouth appears, asking for help. It's a woman trapped in a tree. She doesn't have a nose. It's been ripped off or bitten off, and uh, which is always disturbing. Her son finds her, and he's, you know, help mommy get out. And he says, "No, mommy, you." And he's you've picking been pledged, up a ro- pledge. He picks up that rock like he's going to help chip away at the tree, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, do it." And then, and then he just smashes her in the face, and pledged is pledged. And then some hands pull her back into the tree. It's just really disturbing. This was way back. This was a while ago, right? That's the flashback. 1919, 1919, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And then we go to the present day in which, uh, this is it's, it's too bad that Josh isn't here because this takes place in uh, New Hampshire. Uh, a, a family moves from somewhere else to New Hampshire. It's for, uh, it's a, and it's a graphic novelist or a uh, children's book author, writer. It's not mm-hmm. really delineated. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Uh, has moved his family to New Hampshire because his daughter has had problems. We find out later what the problems are. She's got anxiety issues because she had an incident in the woods involving a bully who tried to kill her and then the bully being pulled and threw a knot in the hole in the tree. There's nothing good about I mean, <laughs> this was a great issue, but there's nothing that's going to help me sleep tonight in this, issue, in this comic. Um, really great, disturbing. And we have to give equal credit here to Jock, whose imagery really is as important as anything, or if not more so, to really capture what is really disturbing about all these things that scott snyder has written down I mean, that- does this kind of nightmarish like impressionism of forest like in you know looking at at one panel of a tree it looks one way and then the next panel it's slightly different mm-hmm. like he's not worried about maintaining continuity between panels it's more about the feeling well, that actually goes with the essay in the back that scott snyder did you read that yeah about how the the inspiration for the story and how the sunlight and the shadows changing the looks of the trees. I mean, that sort of fits with that that idea of the tree, the forest being alive in a way. And I love that this came out of that story. And we get to we get to take this little peek inside his warped and twisted mind and see, you know, where a story came from. His roots in his childhood and growing up in southern Pennsylvania and the woods across from his parents' house, and um, you know, hanging out in abandoned meat trucks and. Um, with a friend, and and I love the fact that the kid had like uh, a, a stick with like nails through it, <laughs> and they're they're going out witch hunting at eleven years old, and just sounds like such a Scott Snyder thing to do. Um, it's a it, it's a you know it's a it, it's a pretty it's a pretty creepy story. 
of childhood. And I, I kind of would like to see that as just like a straight up like autobiographical kind. Yeah, of that thing. would be an interesting story. That would be kind of fun, but um, but no. To return I, to this, the main story, it, there's there's a deer that vomits up its own tongue. There's uh, there's uh, people in the woods saying pledge is pledge. There's 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 the bully having returned as some sort of creature. There's a lot going on here, and it's all expertly done. Um, if you're into horror, this I can't imagine you would not love this. And not just because it's it's horror, but and I'm not I'm not really into horror, right? But, but, but I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a expertly completed comic with the with the dad character, um, yeah. who's like it's sort of like it it's, it switches back and forth between him and the daughter as sort of your your protagonists. Um, uh, not just because it's horror, but just the the themes that it touches on and the the rural life stuff. It it, it That's feels an interesting like, family dynamic. Here. It feels like a it feels like a Stephen King story. Mm-hmm. Um. And the the dynamic between the the father and the daughter and dealing with anxiety and everything and uh, and Snyder has talked about dealing with his own anxiety and so it's a it's a really interesting examination that's it's something that I deal with so I really sort of latched onto that and so I hope that that continues forward because um, I like the family dynamic just as much as the horror yes. elements. Um, well, that's, if that's you don't really have important. that family dynamic, the horror elements don't mean anything, yeah, it doesn't right? Mean anything, nothing, right? It's just it's, it's just nothing to worry about. It's just a Halloween store that pops up in the yeah. mall. You know, it's like there's no context. If there's no context, it can't be scary. You have to have some feel, kind of human heart to latch onto. I feel pretty confident in my decision to live in a city in a, in a place. Where there's <laughs> no chance that a deer will appear suddenly in my studio and then vomit up its own tongue. That's that's all I'm saying. This I, week, <laughs> Batgirl 35 came out. This is the new launch of Batgirl. Is sort of in conjunction with the Gotham Academy book that came out last week. It's sort of the the new, um, I guess you could say, more female centric take. I think these books are definitely aimed more at that audience than the traditional uh, male comic audience. I think that's fair to say. Um, so we have uh, Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher are the writers, and Bass Tar, Babs are Babs Tar, yeah. The the B got washed out in the background. Babs Tar is the artist uh, after Cameron Stewart's breakdowns, and. Uh, I don't know what to think about this book, Paul. Really? Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, I was really impressed with it as a first chapter because you get a whole story in here. You get a whole meal. You get Yeah, no, it's very it's very dense. There's a lot going on. There's a bunch of mystery solved. And while it's dense, I don't think it's it's overly dense. It doesn't feel like anything is rushed. Um there's some there's some fun storytelling stuff, like when she's trying to piece together uh, what happened and who might have stole a phone or, mm-hmm. or, or computer cool. her laptop's missing. And so you get um, and we got uh, sort of like that. I think I think a lot of this is coming out of um, the Hawkeye book. A lot of people are looking for interesting ways to tell stories visually. Right. And like Gotham Academy, when uh, in that first issue, the tour of the school grounds use that double page spread, and it's sort of the 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 little kid in the in the family circus comics, who's yep. and you can trace his path through you know the neighborhood with mm-hmm. the dotted line. Um, it's kind of that kind of storytelling and. Um, I thought really, really clever, really fun. Um, I like getting away from the Gotham that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, are you bothered by how it feels very now? And um, is it like dated? Well, all right, I really, I really love the art. I really love the costume. Uh-huh. I like the fresh take on it. I think there's two things that bother me. One is that the characterizations of Barbara and Dinah, because Dinah, Lance, you know, Black Canary shows up here. Right. 
don't really ring with what's been, what's been happening or who they are. And that's just a matter of me wrapping my head around this new version of them. Okay. Uh, they're a bit, they seem a bit less capable. I mean, I haven't been reading Bad Girl since the first couple of issues. I'm just going off of what I know as Barbara Gordon. So I don't know if this is how she's been the whole time. Well, they definitely feel younger than they've been, even right. within the new 52. And there's nothing wrong with, with changing you know, that up with a new version of them. I just have to wrap my head around that. You know, this, it took me a while to be like, this is the Barbara Gordon I know. Well, like she feels more Stephanie Brown than, yes. than Barbara. And I liked Stephanie Brown, so I'm okay with it. But I, I also well, she yeah, exists and she's there in another book. She's Stephanie's in the world. This right? Is, you know. Yeah. This, uh, but like, this is more Barbara in Batgirl Year One. Which yeah, which like. is fine, which is awesome because that's just a different. That's a younger version. I just have to wrap my head around that. I just, I think to me, it was more obvious with with Dinah, who seems more very less her her neighborhood wouldn't be burnt down to the ground. <laughs> Just weird, but then I can get over that. The other thing was, um, I just hate everyone in the book besides Barbara Gordon. I mean, damn kids. These are the people I, I avoid actively in real life. This is sort of like the girl syndrome. Like I don't, I don't okay. like any of these people. You know, and so, until recently, you were in you know Brooklyn. So yeah, like when they, some, when, they, like when they go into the the, the coffee shop and the, the yeah. guy's got the you know the, like handlebar mustache and. Yeah, so I can see people rolling their eyes at that a little bit. Um, I did like. I mean, this was really fun, and I I did enjoy it. I just didn't. I was. I didn't know what to think afterwards. I was really expecting to love it. I I enjoyed the the bits where like Barbara defeated the guy with the the QR code. Like it's, it's interesting, cool but you know, I don't really like her roommates or the people she's hanging out with or any of the people she encounters. So we'll see. I do so much love the costume and the art that I'll stick with it. I dig it. I'm not. I'm not wild about the coloring. Mm. Um, and I can't really articulate why, but it just uh, a little bit more nuance in the coloring would be nice. But right. it looked a little bit, a little bit glaring. But um, I, I like it. And I and you know what? If you're going to embrace being a Batgirl book about 2014. It's it least, totally is. It's, it's consistent. I mean, I mean where there's the, the, the bad guy talking in hashtags. And, oh God, I wanted to. Well, you're supposed you know, to. He's supposed that. to be a douchebag. Like I know, but like it was con, and I had this. You know, it's in my head, so I'm reading it and just like. Uh huh. I hated that. It's but, a generational thing. So I like I understand why it's like, why it's grading, but like I uh, I think it's supposed to be grading. Oh yeah, I mean he's the bad guy, but I think I think it does feel very now. It feels very very. Um, modern and relevant and i think it definitely skews more towards the female audience which is good because there are not a lot of books for like that so i think that's good i think if any book should it's background i don't mind that she's younger and a, and a bit less capable that's okay too i think i skew more towards the female audience as well so i right. i enjoyed this book thumbs up i it wasn't the female stuff that bothered me it was the, the hipsters and the and the hashtags and all that stuff that bothered just me. it's just aging well, whatever. I don't care. Paul, uh, did you read the first issue of Axis, the latest Marvel event? Sixus, Yes, I did. Aven- I'm sorry. Avengers and X-Men, colon, Axis. Right. Number one. Um, I actually kind of like this. I think it's neat. I had some problems, but the overall, if you're talking about event books, uh, it was very focused. It didn't feel too sprawling and unwieldy, which is always the big problem with these Marvel books, is that they, they go off the rails very quickly. And they have a little you know, recap in the beginning to tell you what's been going on for, for yeah. a couple of years. <laughs> um, 
just so anybody can pick this up basically is the thought and you know you got your it's not as intimidating as um a hickman uh dramatis personae but um which i probably totally butchered that but um i never took latin um be glad but yeah but um you know you've got a whole bunch of characters and up top red onslaught who is a version of red skull and ahab are your bad guys ahab's weird i mean this is a it's a this is remender's first uh event last the last one was, was jason Aaron, and uh yeah it, I, I, I like his writing a lot, so it's not supr- no surprise sure. that I enjoyed this issue. I just felt it was a little too jokey by about half. Okay. Like, I like my comics jokey, and I like my comics funny, and I like, I like characters who make jokes. But I felt like everyone was constantly making jokes throughout it. And I was like, eh, just, just, just two notches down, and you're at the right, you're at the right tone. I think it's a little bit of Remender wanting to do like a not sellouty kind of event. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like he wants to do something personal. So right. when you get up to a plot point, that's really like comic book event plot point. It's like, I here's think, the jokes I, that take I the think, air out of it. I think there's a little bit of levity. Mm-hmm. So it's not so serious. Right. And it's just like when the, in the first scene, when the Avengers show up and they're fighting the red skull and they all make jokes, every single character flies in with a joke mm-hmm. and you're just like, would they all fly? like, Tony Stark, sure, absolutely. Yeah, but I like the, I know. do like the moment where uh, we're like the beat. vision was being very quippy. I like, the yeah. vision is the vision quippy, right? I like the bit where the where where Beast comes in, uh, leading the charge of X Men and Avengers, and saying yeah. that he doesn't want to choose favorites. So instead of saying assemble, let's just crack some skulls, and right. it's all in bold. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I definitely didn't dislike it. That was the only part I didn't. I, I didn't really live. I think I thought it was really fun. I thought the Andy Kubert art was 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 strong. Yeah, it's really good. Um, uh, I'll tell you, um, it was a little bit like um, I've never been to a Disney theme park, and I've been criticized by that, for that. But um, I um, this was a little bit uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride with uh, reading it on my iPad. I don't know if I've told right. you guys I got an iPad recently. It was a few yeah. months ago, actually. But anyways, but like turning it from portrait to landscape, like yeah. it was like playing a racing game on an iPad. That's true. It, like it switched a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. I mean, I, I. Do you see a way out at the end of this to to bring back Xavier and sort of redeem Cyclops? Did There's you get no that redeeming sense? Cyclops. Well, you know what I mean. The best to the best of their ability. Do, to the best do, of their you, ability. Uh, do, I, I sort of got that vibe in the beginning. Like it sort of felt like. So after all this time, we're fi- You know. Well, it's I mean since it's Avengers that, and X Men, which was a while ago, that it's we're, that we're gonna thing. Close that that chapter, right? It's it's that thing where you're watching like a serialized drama, and they do the previously on, and, and they, they do show so, all and the they, stuff, and yeah. they don't show something from like the last episode or two. They show something from like like six, twelve, ago. or like a season ago, and you're like, oh, okay, so something's gonna happen with Walt, you know, or something, right. and lost. Um, so yeah, I think so. I, I think they're they're leading that way. Um, there's going to be Which something. Which would be nice because I just think like that's gone on a long time, and, and we're we're ready for that to be over. And there's the whole thing with like the Red Skull has like parts of Xavier's brain, mind, brain, and and then but also his body has or his essence has been transferred into the onslaught. Right. So um, I don't know if that's just my Philly accent, but I can't say onslaught. I just say onslaught. So sorry. Um, uh, but any but so maybe uh, there's going to be like Xavier onslaught <laughs> or something by the yeah. end of it. He's not going to be in his own body or something. Or maybe he'll be in Cyclops' body. That would be awkward. 
We also went from zero to sixty on Falcon being Captain America between last week and this week. Yeah, and it's um, like they're calling him Cap, and he's leading the team. And I was like, yeah, transition at all? Like, I also like that um, unworthy Thor has like an official costume, which is just shirtless <laughs> with a cape. I don't like that either. Something. What if they me, try but, to go well, get you know like shawarma or something? They won't serve him because he's yeah, he's no shirt, no service, man. Yeah. Uh, so I I thought it was fun. If you're the kind of person that feels like the Marvel events get too unwieldy. This, this so far, chapter one might be for you. I think Remender's on such a roll that it's. I think it's, it's a. I think it's a, a like it's got all the event stuff, like the the, the pyrotechnics, but it and everyone's in it. I mean, there's there's not only the Avengers and the X Men, but you've got Power Man, and Iron Fist, you got Invisible Woman. I mean, there, there's like Doctor Strange. There's like, I got, mean, they're all Avengers, but everyone is an Avenger. We, we also got to mention the moment where Havoc turns around in bed and his his daughter is uh, has a red skull face. Yeah, that's weird. It was really creepy. So I, I, I enjoyed it. I'll look forward to the next issue. And so now we had another number one, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch number one, which in the past, in a pre-Afterlife with Archie world, wouldn't have even gotten a notice. But uh, this is the new issue that is in the same world as Afterlife with Archie. Is it? I think so. Uh... So you have the same writer. No, because she was born in like in the 50s. Well, she's a witch. And it takes place in the sixties. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it's a different kind of new. Well, if it's not the same, but world, it's the same tone. It's the same same tone. It's the same feeling. Um, which actually will. Mm, okay. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. What did you think about it? I thought it was. I, th- I thought it was fun. I just. I. I just like how. Um, I like the risks that they take with their characters. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's always impressive, and so you've got Sabrina's dad basically. Um, you know, say, oh, hail Satan, and, you know, what, like, what in Lucifer, you know, and, like, it's just, re- like, super well, evil. Well, that, and also then lobotomizing his wife. And lobotomizing his wife, right. So, so like, the dialogue <laughs> is what I noticed most. But anyway, so, and and then, like, uh, going to the hospital, and the doctor's saying there's really nothing we can do, and, and then he's, and he's, like, leaving and, and walking away, and he's got this huge smile on his face, and, ah, it's fine, you did what you could. Um, but it solves a problem for him, and... Uh, and then you've got it's just it's so dark and there's like a there's a crazy succubus at the end and okay you're right i'm reading the i say in the back and it's a companion book but doesn't take place in the same world there you go uh i didn't read the, the stuff in the back so yeah was, i didn't either, i was so just, looking at it i was just assuming i like if like i don't think she's i don't think it's like a thing where she well, it, age it, the reason why i thought it was because the last issue of afterlife with archie was an all sabrina issue and i and that seemed to me the place to then launch her story Mm-hmm. In her new book, so I, I was reading this book in my head, yeah, thinking that, this was that story, and that's why I was confused about why the timelines were all off. Yeah, and I know, um, and I know there were people saying like, "Do I have to have read Afterlife with Archie no, to to read not. this?" But do read Afterlife with Archie because <clears throat> it's great. Um, but you could also just start here. This was very in the same way as the witches. This was very like dark and disturbing. There's a there's a there's a little girl here with bloody eyes, and the art is very sort of old EC Comics horror style, yeah. uh, which is really interesting. For I mean, Archie's doing really interesting stuff, but this was I enjoyed it, even though I didn't know how, in my head I didn't realize how it was tying in I, I, as a story of Sabrina growing up and having a really screwed up childhood amongst these supernatural beings and witches and everything. Uh, I, th- I thought it was really fun. I thought it was fun too, like just super irreverent and. I like that, and and I wasn't expecting Sabrina to be as dark as she was. I thought she was going to yeah. be sort of like not a victim necessarily, but I thought more at odds. What teenager can resist <laughs> casting a love spell on the hunky quarterback? 
No, no teenager, Paul. None. I was a little confused when Betty and Veronica showed up in their 60s style cheerleader outfits, and I thought, well, that doesn't work. Uh huh. And they, but, they summon a, a succubus. And Paul, the question, the, the, the answer, as always, is that I'm an idiot. <laughs> so, well, at least you had fun. That's all that counts. Oh, well, I had a great time. It didn't stop you from enjoying so, it. So, again, like, if you're a horror fan, uh, check out Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Even if you're not a horror fan, if you're like an Archie, if you've been enjoying how the Afterlife book is an unusual take on the Archie characters, and this is just another one. It's not the same world, but it's another. And you take. don't. And the other thing I think people ask is like, do I need to know like the Archie characters? No. And in a, in a way, it's sort of like in your DNA anyway. Like they're they're such pop culture icons, you you know enough about them. But here, it's like it's a it's a total origins origin story. Like it starts mm-hmm. um, with her birth, so yeah, or the day after, but. Um, so we keep talking about Afterlife with Archie. If you want to check that out, the first collection is out, and you can get that at Amazon via ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find the link to Amazon.com, and you can make all your purchases. We get a piece of that action, much like the mafia, but we don't take it out of your pocket. We come and shake down at Amazon for the pennies in their pocket. Uh, so we appreciate everyone who does that. As the holiday times are near, and I'm already starting to hear rumbles about how many days till Christmas, and I just want to strangle everyone who does that. Um, <laughs> You can make that your official IFM, uh, your Amazon link. If you make that your, your bookmark while you do all your IFM holiday shopping, then you don't have to worry about it. We appreciate every one of you who does that. As well as people go to ifanboy.com slash registration who become members for $3 a month or $30 a year, and that helps us directly. Uh, we appreciate everyone who does that. keeps the shows on the server, keeps the website available for all of your perusing needs. You can see all the back catalog and all the old articles that stays all alive. It stays on the server through all your, your donations and your membership. So we thank you. Superman Wonder Woman 12, Paul, I got two controversial statements to make. Okay. One is I really, lo- I really kind of love the beginning when Superman returns to Wonder Woman after having been in space for the Doom storyline. And, and it's kind of really sexy and romantic. And like, <laughs> I, I like the body language on, the, on them. Like when, when he's hugging her while she's opening the door, I thought it was a great panel. They really look like a couple. Um, uh, my other statement is, kind of dig the beard on him. I like the beard. Yeah, we realize I'm a beard. I'm a beard Ameri- bearded American, but uh, we were talking like- about Action Comics last week, and uh, I liked the beard on on Clark. It was it was, it was mostly Clark issue, and uh, I dig it. And he's sort of going through an existential crisis, at least in that one. Like, why can't Superman have a beard? What's wrong with that? I think it's cool. I'm reading this issue, going, you know what? Kind of like the beard. And you know who else had a beard? Uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> and you and, and Josh and I, we all have beards. We all have beards, we're a very yeah. pro beard show here at iFanboy. Mm-hmm. So I did like this, and I liked how they incorporated Swamp Thing into the story uh, with the out of control. I thought this was just a really great one shot about a relationship. You know, Clark gives her this exotic plant, says you can't water it; you got to give it c- cooking oil because it's a Kryptonian plant. Uh, Wonder Woman forgets to water it; it turns into this giant uh, vagina creature <laughs> with tentacles and. Uh, he's like, man, you couldn't water my plant while it was gone properly. And they kind of have a fight about it, even though it was influenced from outside forces to make them more angry at each other. But still, I thought it was a really interesting sort of uh, commentary on relationships. And, you know, they, they Is have been- tipping you over in the scales to, to get into like Superman, Wonder Woman role play? Well, you never know. You got the beard. You're also- I have the beard. I'm you already just need to draw on an S curl. I need the wig. Need a Sharpie. I need the you look way. like Charlie Brown, though. Oh, jeez. So, at Astro City 16, did you read this, or are you done with this series? Uh, leave it to you. More for you. Well, did you well, did you read it? No, I didn't. Okay, so so what was interesting about this was that, and again, it, there's a lot of talk about essays in the back this week, but there's a lot of essays this week. So, in the essay in the back, 
Busick reveals that this was one of his very first scripts he ever wrote uh, back when he was a college student submitting work to DC. Oh, really? And so he based and he submitted it to DC, and they said this is great. Uh, this is totally publishable, but he submitted it for the special um, backup feature that was running through Action Comics, where they would do like you know eight page stories. So, but we just canceled that feature, so we don't really have anywhere to run it. But thank you. Uh, so he basically said, you know, however many years later, he's retooled it for Astro City, and I thought that was really interesting. And it was basically a twenty. It was the twenty four hour uh, tr- a truce of Lex Luthor was the original story, and this this is about a villain who, for twenty four hours, decides to help the hero save you know save as many people as possible. That's cool. I like that. And uh, it was really interesting because. It turns out that the the villain and the hero went to high school together. The the, the villain was bullied. That's why that's why he turned into a villain. He's he was bullied for being kind of a effeminate guy at school. And it turns out he he's transgendered. And at the end, the hero dies, and the villain takes up the mantle, but now as a woman. It was a really interesting combination of his old story plus you know sort of modern day issues, and it was a one shot. And uh, I really liked it. It was good. That's amazing that all of all the scripts that he's written over the years, he never cannibalized that into something until now. Yeah, it's interesting. That's, well, I mean, it only really crazy. works as a one-shot. And, you know, the modern-day world, one-shots aren't really done that often. Well, I so. mean, but still, after, I mean, all these years, like, yeah. he, you know, used it for something. But. True. Um, I really enjoyed Savage Hulk number 5, uh, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becko. Oh, that was this week. Yeah. You missed it? I missed it. We'll catch it. Um, there's going to be more. Um, I'm okay with missing it because I had so many books. I'm going to get it now and read it later. <laughs> okay, we'll definitely read it because it's really fun. It's um, they're, they're taking, and Gabe drew it, and uh, and Jordan Boyd did the colors, and it looks really nice. And it's a, these are, you know, sort of um, little Hulk stories. And it's a takeoff from Incredible Hulk number 300, where Doctor Strange... Um, sends the Hulk into another dimension so we can't... It's sort of that Planet Hulk idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so it starts off... Things funny starts off with Doctor Strange, who insists on being called Doctor Strange. Well, he's uh, a doctor. He earned it. Uh, when they refer to him as Mr. And he's in a suit at that point, just a regular suit. And he's he's in this trial, and they're basically saying, um, you shouldn't be sending people into other dimensions. <laughs> um, that's not a good call. You should probably... There should be some checks and balances here. Anyways... The Sorcerer Supreme from the dimension where he sent the Hulk, and he and he said he made sure that he sent it sent the Hulk somewhere where there was non sentient life and there's no one he could hurt. Um, that never works out. The Sorcerer Supreme, who looks like a big insect, this is a great design with like this weird carapace and like these weird arms and stuff, and he's slightly shorter than humans, um, but he has like the, the the Doctor Strange collar and 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 cloak um, shows up uh, right in the middle. And basically, you got to fix this because you caused genocide in my dimension. So he hauls Doctor Strange, who transforms back into his normal Doctor Strange suit. Um, And Maria Hill grabs his hand to stop him from going through a portal. Um, And she gets hauled along. And they're Mm -hmm. in this other dimension. You find out that there's all these like insect-like creatures that inhabit this place. And the Hulk lives outside of the walls of the city and they send out champions to, uh, to try and, and stop them. And it's this big, like beetle looking mech that they send out uh, to try and stop the Hulk. And the Hulk just dismantles the thing. And uh, they find the cave where the Hulk lives and there's all these dead bodies in there. 
and uh, the Sorcerer Supreme from that dimension dies. And uh, the whole cast of, or Doctor Strange has to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? I got to, I got to, I, I made a boo-boo. What he should do is he should just make sure everyone forgets this all happened. That's, that's so how he just, would do it. That would just be the easiest thing to do, you know? Just pull a, um, uh, what's the, the Zaytana story with the... Uh... Exactly. Yeah. Or Man in Black. Mm-hmm. Um, so are they doing, a, they're doing like a small uh, arc or is this just their, I think their it's issue? like a little, I think it's a, it's a little arc. I think maybe like two issues or something, but it's, it's really good. So it's Savage Hulk number five and, uh, you know, gorgeous art. It's been a while since we talked about an Avatar book on the show, but, yeah. uh, this week we had War Stories number one, uh, from Avatar, Garth Ennis and Garth Ennis will take at his War Stories to whoever will publish them. They, they were at, uh, Dynamite last time they were at Vertigo originally, uh, he just, you know, we, we've talked to him in the past. We've interviewed him. And if he had his druthers, he would just write these war comics and mm. not worry about anything else. But they don't sell, so he, he has to pedal them around to whoever will take them, which is unusual, unusual for the best writer in comics, I, I, I'm going to say. Um, but this is the number one of the new arc, which is called, I'm scrolling, Castles in the Sky, first of three. And it's about a uh, young kid going to, obviously, to Germany from America and flying in the B-17 Flying Fortresses. And uh, it's very, you know, it's an opening chapter. We don't really know much about what's going on yet other than, you know, they, uh, there's, a, there's a kid in, 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 who lives near the base and a mother. They lost their father and the father and the husband in, the, in, in Africa. And there's a horrible, horrible, horrible accident on the uh, landing strip. Taking, but as they're about to take off, one of the B-17s blows up. And the, the force knocks one of the other B-17s on the third one and, Everybody in this guy's plane dies but him. And uh, uh, did you read this, Paul? No, I missed it. But I'm um, um, really, really good, it. as all these war stories have been. And I, it's funny because I just finished reading Unbroken, the uh, the book about Louis Semperini, which oh, yeah, is yeah. a big, big movie in, in Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And he all, he was a bombardier in the war, just like this guy. And uh, flying in these planes was just horrible. I mean, like we talked we talked about in t- uh, the tankies arc about how being a tank operator was horrible. So was flying in the plane. I mean, they they just. Many of them just took off and were never seen again. No one knows what happened to them. I mean, they just, and they all constantly blew up and they were shoddy. And there's a, there's a scene here where they're looking at the patches. You know, this, this plane had been, clearly been shot up before and they had, pat, they, they had constantly just patched the holes. And, and uh, they were just, they were just dang, it was a dangerous job. But, uh, you know, Garth Edis is all about these little details and these great characters. And he loves this stuff. And it's, as, you know, if you love these war stories in the past and you're all clear to read these movies again. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm glad Avatar is um, publishing them. They should be published somewhere. It's crazy that, that, that he has to you know, pedal his wares around town, but mm-hmm. there you go. So War Stories, number one, Castles in the Sky from Avatar came out this week, so check that out if you have something that interests you. Um, go to ifanboy.com, talk about those books. Those are the books of the week. There was a lot of books, um, a lot of good ones. What was your pick, Paul? My pick? Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you told me it was Batman, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. There you go. So go to ifanboy.com. You can find the post for this show and you can comment on these books. You can comment on other books that came out, other things people might have missed. Tell us what your pick was, what your favorites were, and uh, all the conversation can happen over at ifanboy.com. And you want to do an audience question, Paul? Yeah. So Wes from Newport uh, says, a lower-selling Marvel book written by one of my favorite writers was canceled recently. And one of the reasons cited for this was those fans who wait for the trade. 
are keeping sales down. I've read this writer and others cite the same reasons for lower selling books being canceled. As a trade waiter, I do feel somewhat responsible. However, as a consumer, I feel I have the right to buy what I want in the format I want. If the industry isn't willing to recognize new avenues of sales, is it really the fault of the reader? What about digital? Why isn't that getting some of the blame? I know this uh, this might be a can of worms, but would be interested to hear your thoughts. Well, I know what you think. Well, I mean, this was, you know, he's he's being diplomatic. This was Peter David complaining about X-Force being canceled online earlier this week, hmm. um, which we're not even going to get into the reasons why. There's lots of reasons why the book gets canceled. The reasons why a lot of the X-Men books are being canceled. We'll just put that aside for the, for the main issue of the email. And uh, what do you, I mean, Paul, you know what I think. What do you think? What do I what do I think you think I think you think? <laughs> yes. That you shouldn't feel guilty. Um there because and like like you just said, there are so many factors that play into that. Um that why a book gets canceled. You're reading the trade, you know, like it's not like you're you're abandoning it outright. Um I don't I don't think the the onus should be put on the consumer. The owner, uh, the owner should never be put on the consumer right. in, in this instance because they're reading a format that is offered to them by the, by the publisher. If the publisher doesn't want people to read trades, then they shouldn't publish them. And if they don't have a mechanism or business model in place that recognizes trade sales and digital sales or whatever, then they, they need a new business model. I mean, it's just simple as that. It's like... Uh, you know, if you were a car dealer and you had a bunch of red cars and blue cars, and you, but you didn't really, you didn't really want people to buy the red cars. You wanted people to buy the blue cars. You can't complain that people buy either one because you're offering both. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that's, if you're offering multiple formats to a to a consuming audience, they're going to buy in multiple formats, and you then you can't complain when they do. So that's always annoyed me. That I mean, it happens other places, but definitely in comics, I see it the most is that. The readers and the consumers and the customers are constantly being blamed for things. You know, you're not, you didn't shop at the store and it closed. It's your fault. You didn't buy. You know, you bought trades instead of stingless, so the book got canceled. It's your fault. It's not. It's it's never the fault of the customer if you're given a choice and you choose one or the other. It's a weird, screwed up system of how books even get made in the first place, and looking at things in advance and you know pre-orders and stuff, and so. Yeah, there's just there's there are too many variables, and there's also too many reasons that people wouldn't buy a single issue or couldn't, mm-hmm. um, and too many barriers for entry in that way for it to be fair for you to. Right. Just Most make people a don't live near a comic fun. store, right? And it, if you're someone who lives, I'm just going to pick a random state. No offense, if he's like North Dakota and or South Dakota, is it South Dakota more? More uh, less populated. South Dakota is. We're going with the West Wing thing. South Dakota has uh, Mount Rushmore. So then North Dakota. Let's North say you Dakota, live in, also you live in people... rural North Dakota. You're not anywhere near any populated areas. If you like comics, you can't go to a comic store. So what are you going to do? You can buy. You know, you can order single issues, or you can order trades online. And people most likely in that instance are going to order trades, and that's just the way it goes. And people, and, we, and it, we've seen time and time again. Uh, the horrible term, you know, quote unquote, civilians, people who don't read comics every week, people who come in from uh, Watchmen movie or from the Walking Dead TV show, they go to the bookstore and they buy a trade collection because most people aren't going to want to pay three or four dollars for 20 pages of story. Today, Batman this week was five bucks. I mean, that's 
that's not reasonable to 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 expect people to continue to do forever. And especially if you're talking about expanding the audience to people who don't normally mm-hmm. go to a comic store. Even the writer I mean, agrees with you because he got them to drop it down to three ninety nine. Right, Bat- the Batman writer. Um, uh, you know, if you if you if you want to keep selling to the same diminishing audience, then keep then keep focusing on single issues. But but stu- you know, we've seen them the numbers. Single issue sales don't increase with movies and TV shows, but trade sales do, because people that's what people that seems to be the preferred format for the majority of the people. Again, not the ones who go to the comic store, but the other people, which are way more of. So, I get the frustration, but on the other hand, you're if you're the one offering the format, you can't get mad. You got to figure out a way to factor that in. I just I just think there's there's so many things compounding the problem that it's you know on the creative end, you know you're thinking why everyone should want my book, everyone should love it, everyone should want it the second it comes out, mm-hmm. and not want to wait. And the easiest target is the audience that you're trying to reach. But I don't think that's such a great plan to say, you know, you guys suck. Why didn't you work harder to make this thing? And, you know, they're looking forward to getting a collection of that and they want to read it. It's not that they don't, but it's, you know, like you've got to it's it's an expensive hobby and you got to make choices, you know. And also, what has been the biggest complaint in the last 10 years has been access. It's been distribution, right? It's been there's only a few comic stores and not enough way to get people comics. There's no newsstand distribution. Well, the, the way to solve that was to get trades into bookstores and digital comics out into the world. And they've done both those things. So now the onus is on the companies and not the customers to figure out how to make that work in their business. Also, a customer shouldn't have to be aware of what books are in trouble. Right. Like they shouldn't have to keep track of that. To know, okay, well, this one I'm going to wait for in trade because it's safe. Mm-hmm. And then this other one I'm going to read in issues because it's got the, you know, sort of Damocles dangling over. They should just read the books they enjoy and not worry about the business side. Read the books you're, you know, you want to read and in the, yeah, in the format that you want. And I don't think you have to be like a statistician and looking at the numbers like Connor does crazy, <laughs> looking at numbers at everything. But I don't do that anymore. See, you do what, that. What? You do that for fun. But I mean, even yeah. you know, with the Flash, you were looking at the numbers, right. and and that's sure. and it's exciting. You know, sure, it's the, it's the pilot episode. We want to see these things do well. But like, I uh, you know, we shouldn't. The owner shouldn't be on us to be tracking everything like that. And you know, uh, some my people enjo- just aren't aware. Like, I mean, you know, my enjoyment of the comics that I read has gone way up since we stopped doing iFanboy content daily because i don't concern myself so much of the daily business and sure, daily I mean, we were t- talking about the you know the batman issue the pick of the week like you know not knowing what that was going to be about got some sense of surprise out of it right it's just you know it's, it's a ter- it's a terrible thing and and that book has been through the ringer we've we've tr- we've chronicled x factors uh rise and fall of, throughout the years on this show extensively going back way back to the original uh, modern day book with the the PI firm, which happened right around the time the show started, and how that show that book got yanked around by crossovers and and you know reboots, and it sucks for the book and sucks for the fans, it sucks for the writer, but it absolutely does. It at sucks. the end of the day, it's not the fans' fault for reading the format that you offer them. If 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 you don't want to read that format, don't offer it. You know that's just that's the bottom line. So especially in an industry so desperate for readers. It just it just if you think it through to its you know inevitable conclusion, you're blaming 
your fans, the people who like you and mm-hmm. like your stuff. People but, paying money for your for your stuff. But for not being supportive enough. It's like if someone gives you a gift at Christmas and, you know, they give you a car and you're like, oh, why doesn't this have, you know, keyless entry or something? Like right. It's, you know, looking a gift horse in the mouth. Well, I, I do that. And if anyone gets me a car and it's not a Tesla, I immediately throw it back in their face. <laughs> Take these keys and get out, you cheap bastard. So if you want to ask us a question that we can talk about on this year's show, uh, not this exact episode because time travel. This show's over. Email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 326-2697. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Keep it around 30 seconds, please. And as Paul mentioned, we had a special edition podcast this past week. Well, you mentioned the show. You did mention the podcast. But The Flash premiered uh, this past week. And we had so a special good. podcast about that. Paul and I both loved it. I see almost universal praise other than random weirdos on the internet. Uh, people who have, whose names are actually attached to reviews loving the show. Yeah. Uh, it was a really great pilot. Looking forward to the second episode very much just to see how that – because I've watched this one three or four times now. Uh-huh. Looking forward to a new story. Um, so that's how, that. you can check out our, our 30-minute conversation on the Flash pilot on uh, our feeds. And coming up next, we've got Constantine, which hits in October 24th. Yes. So you can look forward to that podcast on that day in the afternoon. Uh, so Paul and I, would, Paul and I, will going to be talking about Constantine Pilot, and then we'll be on pilot break until the next thing happens. But uh, it's fun; it's been fun talking about these shows and getting to getting to go over them. I think the next one's going to be really interesting for reasons why we're not going to talk about. It. So <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, so look forward to those in the feed. Also coming up relatively soon is the the next uh, DC animated original movie, Throne oh. of Atlantis. So that one's coming up. That one uh, might be okay. Yeah, so that's that's not like it's coming up in the next couple of weeks, but it's keep keep it on your radar if you're you know listen to those animated shows that's coming soon too. Yep. That's all at ifanboy.com where you can find those shows, this show, you can comment on on everything we do, you can comment on this show, the books of the week, you can comment on those, those uh Flash podcasts, uh the the Gotham podcast, mm-hmm. the Constantine podcast in a couple of weeks. Tell us what you thought of those shows. Everything uh happening podcast-wise is at ifanboy.com. And you can follow ifanboy at twitter.com/ifanboy, facebook.com/ifanboy. You can follow us individually, C.S. Kilpatrick, Fuzzy Typewriter, and Jeff Kanata. He's okay, not here to complain. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Finally, if you like our show, you can write us a review in iTunes, or better yet, you can tell your friends. We still like moms to listen. Moms. We're, some, we're obsessed with getting your mom to listen to the podcast. I, I, want, I also want a mom to bake me a pie and send it to me. Okay. What kind of pie? Um... Pie of their choosing. I prefer chocolate cream pie, but that's that's just me. Pies always taste better when you nab them off a windowsill when they're left. That's cool. true. There's just something. There's, there's naughty a sense about of danger it. and also the sense of accomplishment. I've I've successfully stolen this pie. Um, Paul, when is uh, your panels podcast launching? That's coming up after New York Comic Con. So coming up very soon. So, so, you have, so you have a day, double dose of Paul Montgomery every week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so You'll be testing the limits of how much Paul Montgomery is too much Paul Montgomery? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what's going to happen. I'm trying to th- you'll, you'll be hearing a lot of jokes repeated. <laughs> that's fine. If you listen to somebody do like a press tour, you hear the same joke 10 times. Exactly. That's what's uh, so happen. once that show launches, we'll, we'll tell you when that happens so you can get your double dose of Paul. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be called the O Comics Podcast. It's a good name. And in the meantime... Uh, That's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. I'm Connor. I'm not Josh. I'm Paul. Bye-bye.